happen. But the only way, I think, the only time I think I've been able to understand myself was on an acid trip. Then things were really clear. Hello, Uva Radio. We are here today with Dan. Dan, how are you? I'm pretty good. Thank yeah, you. How yeah, how was your day? Uh, so far, so good. Uh, it's always lovely to be back in the city and uh, to see actually the place where I studied. So, nice. Yeah, That's very nice. Me. So, Dan, we're here today to interview you about psychedelics. Mm-hmm. So, what is exactly that you do? We are interested in your job. So, um, I work for Synthesis Institute. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, what our organization does is we provide uh, legal, safe, and uh, medically supervised psychedelic experiences with truffles that contain psilocin and psilocybin. Mm-hmm. And um, we're currently developing a clinical program. Uh, so, we're one of the first organizations that really seeks to offer uh, treatments for depression, but it's not really a treatment. So, okay. um, it's it's a bit it's a bit of a difficult gray zone because as you know there's a lot of research right now that suggests and shows that certain psychedelics might really be fruitful in treating mm-hmm. uh, mental health problems, um, and what we're what we're trying to figure out is um, how can we welcome people that really suffer from certain mental health problems uh, okay. safely and wisely, yeah. and so what one of the Parts of my job is guiding people, so receiving them, preparing them for a psychedelic experience, uh, supporting them during the psychedelic experience, and then helping them uh, integrate and make sense of the psychedelic experience. And how does it start? Like somebody just sends you an email and they're like, oh, you know, I would like to do some psychedelic trip with a guide or um yeah i think it boils down to that yeah i mean uh we're an organization so we have marketing going and there's people that come through different websites and you have the whole sort of uh, okay it's it's a business right but uh in principle people are interested in taking a psychedelic and usually there's two categories of people one of them we call the healthy normals i (laughs) i study sociology and anthropology so i really don't like this term but it comes from research and basically what it means is these are people that uh, beyond the the normal scratches that you would have living a life, right? Mm-hmm. No one has a sort of clean slate. Everyone has a little uh, yeah. a, a pretty bumpy ride. Um, but people that don't really seem to suffer from very serious mental health problems okay. or physical health problems, we call them healthy normals. Um, and those are the people that usually tend to come to our wellness retreats. They might be interested in uh, self-development or uh, in uh, spiritual experience or just just curious about psychedelics. Uh, but a much larger group um, is people that are interested in taking psychedelics because they really struggle with um, uh, depression, anxiety, okay. uh, trauma, different mental health problems that they they feel or they think based on you know what they've been reading and and uh, listening to in podcasts or in, yeah. in, in other media uh that psychedelics will uh, will will heal them or and, or help them yeah. and how does it work like this healing process uh i mean how does the psychedelic helps in healing like depression or anxiety for example so this is a this is the million dollar question. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you if you go to any scientific conference on psychedelics these days, one of the one of the core questions that we're trying to tackle is so what is the therapeutic mechanism? What makes this such an effective treatment? And there seems to be multiple perspectives or angles in which you can look at that, and these are not mutually exclusive. 
Mm-hmm. What I find fascinating about the field of psychedelic research is that it's often very interdisciplinary. So okay. There's a lot of neuroscientists that say, well, maybe, um, you know, the heightened connectivity between the heightened functional connectivity between different brain parts that we see uh, that is enhanced through the serotonergic uh, agonistic effect of okay. psilocybin, for example. So then you get the whole neurochemical explanation. Mm-hmm. Um, seems to be a reflection of the mystical experiences that people report okay. or the emotional breakthroughs that people report. And rather than seeing these uh, as two distinct things, for example, if you look at the traditional psychopharmacology, it's like you take this antidepressant and you feel better because it increases the amount of serotonin. Well, those type of explanations don't seem to hold when you look at psychedelics. Okay. And you could even ask yourself if those explanations hold when it comes to traditional yeah, antidepressants. Exactly. Um, but... If you would ask me, I've been trained as a spiritual caregiver, so I uh, worked in hospice, and I'm much more interested in meaning-making. I'm much more interested in how people make sense of their own lives, and if they do struggle with a depression, how many people do you speak to that say, I'm depressed, and it's because I have a reduced amount of serotonin and dopamine in my synaptic yeah. <laughs> cleft? No one says that, of right? Course. It's like, actually, I lost a partner, or I'm going through a rough time, or I'm struggling at university, and I would be the last person to say, oh, you know, it's just that part. No, they're, mm-hmm. they're, it's very likely that there's all sorts of um, maybe unbalances in brain chemistry, but it's very important to understand that the way people experience their own mental health problems comes with a very um, uh, thick layer of meaning making, right? The way problems show up in our lives is often deeply um, intertwined with our existential uh, outlook on life, with our worldview, for example. And so as a chaplain, as a psychedelic chaplain, I'm primarily interested in uh, the capacity of psychedelics to enhance meaning making. The capacity mm, okay. of psychedelics That's to really connect with the sort of existential or spiritual dimension of your own life. Yeah. And and that that seems to be a, a strong part of the therapeutic efficacy, seems to be this the, the capacity of psychedelics to to in, in, yeah. increase that and, and to help you make sense. Yeah. So I'm thinking about the classical uh, therapy for depression, you know, pharmaceutical therapy. Mm-hmm. So that takes a long time. Like and it's not like we're not even sure that it works so well, right? How long does it take with psychedelics or on average? like? So that I think there's two things that are important. Tra- traditional f- therapy is not one thing. It's not a monolith, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we have a trazillion different types of therapy. A lot of it is currently based on cognitive behavioral therapies, but they speak yes. about the first, second, and third generation. Mm-hmm. So the third generation is deeply inspired by mindfulness and more meditative approaches to, to mental health care problems. Um, and if you look at, uh, traditional pharmacological interventions like antidepressants, usually you need about six weeks for the medicines to start, but they come with a large array of side effects. But for certain people, it actually works for certain people. There's, there's a benefit and, and I would never argue in favor of like, let's get rid of uh, antidepressants and just give everyone psychedelics that doesn't work. The problem, I think, is if you would compare it, a lot of people think, well, psychedelic, it's just one intervention. And the research shows that after this intervention, you have a massive symptom reduction. So Mm, I'm probably healed after a psychedelic experience. And what we try to do is tell people that that is not the case. Mm -hmm. If you look at the way media tends to report on a lot of research, they, they emphasize the drug. They emphasize the substance. 
And they often neglect or underemphasize the fact that the substance is is given to people in a context of ongoing psychotherapy. So very often people have 10, 6, 10, maybe 20 uh, sessions with a good psychotherapist okay, before. Okay. Then they take a psychedelic together with their therapist. The therapist stays yeah. sober, but they uh, they support them throughout the experience. And then there's another 6 to 10 to 20 you know, uh, uh, sessions with the psychotherapist to make sense of the experience. Okay, that's, that sounds very and it's interesting. Within that context that psychedelics seem yeah. to work. And what we emphasize is a psychedelic process is very messy. It's nonlinear. Yeah. It's complex. And you might be confronted with certain problems that you're struggling with in a completely new way. Um, so it's it's not as if you take this substance and then you're done, right? Oh, great, I'm healed now. That's not yeah. how it works. And, and that's one of the m- main things that we're trying to emphasize right now. It's like, let's make sure we perceive of psychedelics as they, they have massive potential, but whether or not that potential is um, is used uh, really comes down to how people relate to these substances, how yeah. they're how they're prepared, how they're guided, uh, how they're supported, and how they show up. Yeah, uh, and yeah. I was thinking there are a lot of psychedelic subs- um, substances that yes. are called <laughs> also drugs. So we have like LSD and we have mm-hmm. uh, psilocybin and everything. And in your therapy, you only use truffles, right? So, um, as I said, w- we don't offer therapy because... Yeah, the, uh, sorry. The, no, 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 <laughs> it's fine. But but I think it's so easy, even for us sometimes, yeah. to say, well, you know, my patient. That's not a patient, it's a client. Yeah, right? that's it, and, right. And, and it's a relevant difference yeah. because we don't offer this ongoing, you know, therapy. thing. We're developing a model for that right now. But if you look at our wellness retreats, that's not what we do. Okay. Uh, it has much less preparation uh, and much okay. less integration than a psychotherapeutic trajectory yeah. would look like. Um, but yeah, so you have drugs like LSD, psilocybin, uh, ayahuasca, DMT, uh, ibogaine. I think these are the classic psychedelics, some of the mm-hmm. you know more well-known and masculine of well-known psychedelics. We just work with legal substances. This mm-hmm. has been a commitment from the start. We want to be a legal organization. We don't work in any gray area. So we just work with the truffles. And the truffles contain psilocin, psilocybin, biocin, and norbiocin. That's four alkaloids. Okay. Um, and we know I have no idea <laughs> <laughs> what they are. So, um, so the, the, the one that we know the most of, and that seems to be the most potent one, uh, is uh, psilocin. Psilocybin is actually uh, psilocin with a... Um, Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, no, uh, don't uh, worry. A, a phosphor uh, atom attached to it. So when the body breaks down psilocybin, it turns it into psilocin. Okay. Well, so the main okay. effect that you get is actually that of psilocin. And then these other alkaloids that are found in truffles seem to um, potentiate some of the effects and and um, uh, mediate it a little bit. Yeah. And this is called the entourage effect. So if you take these different alkaloids in different uh, balances it seems to make it slightly different uh, effect and one of the things that there's there's some research that is starting up in this area right now is is there a is there a qualitative difference in experience uh, between people that take natural products like mushrooms or truffles and people that take synthetic psilocin okay and there's there's some research but it's not of of amazing quality, but there's some research in mice that suggests, for example, that they they have 
don't ask me how they cultivated rats with OCD. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I feel sorry for the mice. It, it, <laughs> same, same for me, especially because not only are they subject of an experiment, they're also bred in a way that they develop OCD symptoms, which is you know oh, it yeah, is quite unpleasant. Crazy. And then when they give these rats um, psilocin, they see uh, a particular reduction in symptoms. And when they give them the sort of full spectrum of alkaloids, so when they give the mushrooms, they see a much stronger reduction in these symptoms. Okay. So there, there's some preliminary evidence that seems to suggest that maybe natural products actually work better. And yeah. I think that's potentially a good thing because... It's very difficult to patent nature. It's much easier to patent a synthetic. And yeah. I think this is one of the sort of ongoing struggles that we see in the space right now. It's like people yeah. trying to get a monopoly on on a, on, on a substance or on the way that it's synthesized or okay. created. Yeah. yeah, you know, normally I would think that if I take truffles and I have OCD, then it would enhance my problem in a way. But it actually doesn't if you are a person, for example, and you have OCD and you take psychedelics does that help you or can so it also be bad um i think this is a great question because i think there's there's different responses there's different things that could happen um if you if you really suffer from from ocd um there you know there these these are serious mental health problems yeah of and course. and very often ocd relates to control it relates to um uh, a, a sen- experiencing a lack of control in your life, and so uh, these these um, almost intrusive thoughts and these these intrusive behaviors are responses to exercise some level of control over your life. Um, now, a psychedelic, in general, tends to feel like an experience that you cannot control either. Yes. So let's say that you really suffer from OCD. You heard this thing about uh, truffles and you're like, I-, I can just go to a smart shop in the Netherlands and just buy these truffles and I'll be done with my OCD. Mm. I would say, well, maybe you really want to get some proper advice. Okay. You might want to reach out to your you know, uh, healthcare provider if you have one. You might want to check in with the uh, drug uh, information line. You might want to reach out to Unity. These are all these sort of harm reduction yeah. programs in the Netherlands. And, and get some understanding of, would I be a suitable person to try psychedelics? And then if you do... It could go two ways. It could actually intensify the symptoms because you feel completely out of control. You weren't prepared well. You didn't know what to expect. Or maybe you're very well prepared. You know what to expect. Um, you even have a guide with you. And um, they, the guide can help you in the very difficult moments to kind of move through such an okay. experience. And then we know from the research that an emotional breakthrough, when people have a challenging experience yeah. uh, in common parlance, we call this a bad trip. Yeah. But if you can move <laughs> successfully through a challenging experience, if you can really work with a quote-unquote bad trip, there seems to be massive growth and of a stronger course. reduction in symptoms. So... Um, but now, now you're, you know, now you suffer from the symptoms of OCD less, and your your post experience experience uh, post psychedelic experience. In people that don't have any integration, you see, you often see that the symptoms do come back. Okay. Um, and the more integration someone has, the more support someone has, yeah. the longer the symptom reduction seems to exist. Um, and very often. In psychotherapy, you would look at the the reasons you develop these symptoms in the first place. 
Okay. And what could happen is that psychedelics seem to facilitate an inner healer capacity. If you cut your hand, mm-hmm. um, the body knows how to heal, right? The doctor, the all the doctor does is clean the wound, maybe stitch it, and then the body heals itself. Okay. And there's an hypothesis now that it's very likely that what psychedelics tend to do is create that same capacity for the mind. The mind already knows what it needs in order to heal. And a good facilitator, rather than making an operation or doing the work, actually kind of steps back and trusts that when when the facilitator creates the right circumstances, i.e. cleaning the wound, for example, creating a container of compassion and uh, unconditional positive regard, um, in those kind of situations, what you tend to see is that the, the, the mind itself starts to... Um, really create and generate insight and and the mind itself starts to uh, heal itself yeah. so we start tapping into our own healing capacities that sounds really <laughs> really amazing but now i have a very different question so how do you exactly call yourself in your job like what's your job um my, my <laughs> so my job title within synthesis i'm both the director of ethics and advocacy and i'm one of the lead facilitators when you tell people that maybe are not in the circle of psychedelics you're I, about I, your I tell people I help um, I help people prepare, undergo, and integrate psychedelic experiences. Oh, what, I think that's the best way to what say do people it. Uh, think? Do you, like, do you think there is a stigma around this job? Definitely, but I've been I've been in this uh, scene, if you will, for such a long time now that it's sometimes uh, a bit of a shock to speak to people. Like, I mean, my grandmother. Uh, knows the type of work I do, right? Okay. She's interested in, okay, so you give mush- magic mushrooms to people? Wait, and did she try them? You know? No, not yet. No, okay. not yet. But I think I think she's interested, nice, honestly. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, this is this is the thing. There's still, there's still a lot of stigma around psychedelics. And I do think we're seeing um, the contours of a complete new narrative and a new way of thinking about mm-hmm. these uh, substances. Um, and that comes with great advantages and with a lot of new challenges and risks. Of course. Yeah. Um, so people might have massive expectations of psychedelics, as I said in, when we talked before. Yeah. It's like people think that this will cure all their mental yeah. health problems in one go, and that's just not the case. Um, but the people that I speak to are incredibly interested and enthusiastic about psychedelics yeah. or are sort of carefully assessing the situation i come in contact much less with the people that just say you know drugs are bad of course and that's it and and i i trust that there's a lot of people like that out there but most of the people that hear that this is the type of work that i do are kind of like interested yeah um or maybe carefully like okay and if people are a little skeptical, usually the comment I get is, "Oh, you're a drug dealer." No, and, I'm, and then I'm like, "You know what? I'm not, I'm just gonna, I'm yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm a drug dealer. There we go. Yeah, why not?" Oh my god, that's crazy. And I think, for example, in Italy, I'm from Italy. The mm-hmm. um, like psychedelics, like truffles, are considered like heroin in the like. Oh yeah, you just know, as dangerous. They are considered yeah, yeah, just yeah. as dangerous, and I think it's really crazy. And I don't understand where the government gets data from. <laughs> To think that they are the same, you know. I um, this is this is a very important uh, topic. I think uh, there's a couple of things that are important. For example, if you look at the states, I'm not sure about the situation in Italy. We know that there have 
there have been made conscious efforts to criminalize a lot of the social movements in the 60s and the 70s. Okay, yes, yes. And um, uh, as a famous insight goes, you cannot prohibit people based on the color of their skin or based on their ideals. So you need to look at a common denominator. You need to look at behavior that they show that you could hypothetically criminalize. Now, if you look at um, uh, a lot of uh, Chinese people in the States used opium, and you can create a narrative around how the Chinese are stealing our women and oh, drugging okay, them up yeah. in opium dens, and so we need to prohibit opium. Yeah. Um, uh, and then you have the problem with black people, right? Uh, and so, um, well, we cannot prohibit that, but what we could do is prohibit the drug that they use, right? So there's this continuous sort of uh, a project of both uttering and looking at behaviors or looking at things that they do and, you know, look at the hippies, LSD, cannabis. Uh, and and there's even some some uh, political strategists, conservative political strategists on the record saying we fully knew what we were doing. We knew that the war on drugs would unequivocally hit black people, people of color yeah. the hardest. And there's I, I think it's very important to realize that Talking about drugs is always tainted with different sort of discourses, and and um, we we need to understand that there's a lot of politics involved, and this is why I think it's so incredibly important to decriminalize because there's a lot of people now that are very enthusiastic about psychedelics, mm-hmm. while uh, and and it's especially a lot of white people that are now super enthusiastic yes, about psychedelics, wrong. while a lot of our black brothers and sisters are in jail for consuming drugs that we're so enthusiastic about, right? Yeah. So, and and for, for cannabis. And um, some people are serving years and years in prison. So if, yeah. if we're thinking about why is there such a difference in how we perceive of certain drugs, we need to think about who are the groups of people that are using these drugs. We need to think about what might be gained from prohibiting these drugs. And then, obviously, governments will always use the argument of, well, there are risks involved for the public health. And I think we need to take these arguments serious because, yes, there are risks involved. But the question is, is prohibition the best way to mitigate those risks? Of course, or should we build harm reduction programs? And That's yeah. very, very interesting. Thank you. And But now a bit of a, more of a story time. I'm curious to know how you like found this way in your life. Like, What made you choose to be a guide? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a call, like a sort of a call? Yeah, 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 someone called me and it's like, you should definitely become a guy. And I was like, who is this? He's like, I'm God. And I'm like, okay, I'm, sign me up. Um, no, I. <laughs> it's even way worse than that. I was 15 when I smoked cannabis for the first time. And yes. I was like, wow, okay, so if such a small quantity of a drug, and this became much stronger when I tried LSD for the first time, of course, can yeah. so radically change your experience of the world, so radically shift your consciousness then I want to know more about the, um, the way that our consciousness functions, right? So there must be some, some neurochemical thing, yeah. at the very least influencing it, no matter what your understanding is of how com- consciousness comes mm-hmm. into being. But um, uh, so, so I was quite fascinated with these kind of questions from quite an early age. And I think I would be... Um, I showed a lot of risk-seeking behavior. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, that's common at the day. I, I, I think so. And um, uh, I tried a lot of psychedelics, um, really struggled with addiction for a long time when mm-hmm. I was much younger. 
And at one point I had a, a psychedelic experience that really changed wow. everything for me. And and then I started to become more interested in uh, the therapeutic potential and the spiritual potential of these substances. Um, I've been going through a crisis myself in which psychedelics really helped me to make sense of my life again and reorient myself. And to my big surprise, after one of those experiences, not only did I no longer feel like, you know, smoking pot, I also felt a sort of absence of a lot of the anxiety and the depression that I used to feel. So for me, in my personal life, psychedelics is, have really helped me. I always feel a little careful when I talk about my own experiences because yes. for me, they really changed a lot. For me, they were incredibly positive. But I also want to emphasize, I know a lot of people who tried them as well and had horrible experiences and got worse off. So well, I want to be yeah. really doing justice to psychedelics are not a panacea. They, they yeah. will not save everyone. They will not magically heal the planet and cure Trump of whatever he's suffering from. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> one can only but guess. We can try. We can try. <laughs> but, um, um, but I do think it's important to really be honest. Like these substances do come with some risk. And we need to ensure that everyone that wants to try these has very high levels of access to really good and honest information about what to do, what not to yeah. do, and how to assess whether they're at risk of having an adverse reaction, as we yeah. call it in scientific literature, or have a very positive, you know, therapeutic yeah. uh, outcome. And, um, yeah, I, I I mean, I had amazing experiences on psychedelics. It deeply um, enhanced the bonds that I have with some lifelong friends. Um, I had, you know, I, I used some of these substances on parties. I had, I, I, I think, recreational usage of psych psychedelics and other substances is a very legitimate usage. Um, but if you ask me why did I start to do this work, it's really because I had very profound life-changing experiences on these substances that, that radically shifted my whole perspective on reality yeah. and, and encouraged me to take up a much healthier, uh, more sustainable lifestyle. So I... I that's very cool. Yeah, that's that. That's why I yeah. do this. Yeah. I feel like often there are not enough information about psychedelics. Like people are very confused about them when they take them for the first I time. So. You know, yeah. they think it's gonna be like seeing the wall melting. And yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's yeah. actually not like that. It's different. It, it could. could. I mean, be, you, yeah. you, you uh, it, It's great to see a wall melting. That's not the problem. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but but the the question is, um, are you are you, do you ask yourself the question, why is the wall melting right now? Why am I seeing this? What is the meaning that I attribute oh, to this? Okay. Is That's this just a visual effect and I'm just enjoying the fact that my perception can radically shift by ingesting 200 micrograms of LSD? Or, um, and I, you know, is it just enjoyable? And again, I'm not judging if it's yeah. just enjoyable. That's fine. But I'm more interested in uh, closing my eyes, going inward, and seeing what I see there. And um, rather than the mel walting, uh, the wall melting, <laughs> I'm interested in having my ego melting, right? And having my sense of self dissolve and becoming one with something that is so much bigger than I am. That's really interesting. That I'm more interested in that yeah. part of the experience. And and psychedelics do seem to have this potential to elicit such experiences, especially if you try to induce them, especially if you listen to particular music, if you create a large um, set certain intentions, create a context within which those type of experiences are sort of encouraged. 
I think what is very relevant to know about psychedelics is um, if you look at the work of Ido Hartogson, uh, he speaks of psychedelics as placebo enhancers. Mm -hmm. So psychedelics seem to increase our suggestibility, right? They they enhance our capacity for meaning-making, which means that people are in an extremely vulnerable state when you guide them. You know, we, 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 we know that there are people out there that support Trump and, you know, that might, it, during the integration period, say, well, it's, you know, great that you're having this experience, but, um, yeah, uh, did you hear about Trump? And then you're super impressed, you know, you're just yeah, come from the course. psychedelic, and, yeah, and, yeah. That, and, now, and now someone is trying to kind of yield that energy, that openness, and, and, and contain it in a very particular okay. way. For example, by you know, by encouraging you to vote vote Trump, for example. Uh, even though it's quite clear, I think where my political uh, <laughs> inclinations lie, I would find it equally problematic if someone, after a psychedelic experience, says, "Can I tell you about Bernie Sanders?" Okay. Right? Because yeah. you 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 want to respect the integrity, the existential, political, spiritual integrity of the person that you're guiding. So as a guide, your opinions, on the one hand, matter a lot. You want to build a therapeutic alliance. You want to work with a client that you know that you feel aligned with. At the same time, it is very important that you do not uh, impose your ideas um, yes, uh, or proselytize yeah. uh, towards your client, especially when they're in this incredibly yeah. suggestible state. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, I have uh, two more questions. So, go ahead. Uh, which music is the best for a psychedelic trip? Um, do you think? Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, this, this, I, I love Pink Floyd. That's not a problem. But I, I think it's very important to again um, emphasize what is your goal, right? Of course. What is yeah. your, um, what are you trying to achieve? What is yeah. it that you're trying to do? What we found is. We've been um, uh, looking at the work of Mendel Kallen. I'm not sure if this is uh, someone you're familiar with, but he researches, he studies how music, um, it's often called the hidden healer, how music so deeply influences and impacts your journey uh, yes. that that a Definitely. lot of people after a psychedelic experience say, wow, I, I just became the music. or The music was like a story. It, it took me through my life and it showed me these different aspects. So, I would usually advocate for if you want to have a very introspective experience and you want to um, look at your life and maybe some of the problems that you're encountering, play music that will take you through a wide range of emotional experiences. So play some sad music, play some music that might, you know, have a lot of energy to it, play music that is very joyful or very soothing, but play music that evokes different types of emotional responses so you can explore those emotions and the memories that are attached to them. Nice. Um, If you want to have a more uh, spiritual experience, maybe you want to play music from the spiritual tradition that you feel comfortable with. Maybe you want to listen to Gregorian singing or to Buddhist chanting, or uh, maybe you want to listen to uh, Icaros, uh, which are, are, you know, the the traditional songs of a lot of medicine men and women that live in the Amazon basin. So um, where are your spiritual inclinations? What are you interested in? And again, um, maybe you just want to bang your head to a, you know, four to the floor side trance beat and, yeah. and that's your cup of tea. And then 
that experience could be enhanced. Of course. But it's a very personal experience. So, I, you know, besides Pink Floyd, uh, I, I don't think we can answer this objectively. All right. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, what would you say to a person that maybe some of our listeners will want to try psychedelics and they're listening to this to see? What would you say to them, like, for a nice first trip? Yeah, inform yourself. Inform yourself. That's the most important thing. Um, and I, I want to be honest. Uh, make sure, check if there's a history of mental health problems in your family, especially around psychosis, uh, that, because you might not suffer from it, but we know from the research that certain psychotic um, problems or mental health problems could really occur in your early 20s. Um, oh, wow. and, okay. and so I, I reckon many of your listeners are, are students at maybe at the UFA, yeah. maybe the FU, uh, maybe just interested folks in, in, in the Netherlands. But I would encourage them to really, uh, uh, listen, kids, uh, <laughs> inform yourselves. Uh, it's, it's very important, I think, that, they, that they're aware that there are some risks in, in taking these substances. The other thing is... Um, even though there is a lot of evidence that seems to suggest that you could, you know, benefit from this if you suffer from anxiety or if you suffer from trauma or if you suffer from uh, uh, depression, um, understand that those findings are contextual within a psychotherapeutic context. Okay, yeah. So if you're if you're considering taking psychedelics to quote unquote heal yourself. Find someone that can give you good and honest advice okay. about whether or not that's suitable for you. Mm -hmm. And if you do experiment on yourself, like I did, I also want to be frank about the fact that I really bumped my head a couple of times. I of fell course, down. Yeah. I had shitty experiences. And there, there's been a couple of them that um, we don't like the word bad trip. We like, you know, it's a challenging experience, but let's just say I was very challenged by some of yeah. these experiences. <laughs> and in retrospect, a lot of those challenges could have just been avoided if I would have been a bit wiser. Of course. And I think everyone has the right to make stupid decisions yeah. for themselves. But I would say if you can avoid them, I think, you know, yeah. that's worth considering yeah. at the very least. So make sure you get good information. And then um, there's no rush Especially true. if you're younger, right? So if you're true. not on your deathbed, if, if you have plenty of opportunity. So the first time you don't have to get everything right. Yeah. You don't have to take the highest dose ever. Uh, you don't have to, you know, just make sure you feel safe. Make sure you feel comfortable. Make sure there's someone available in case you do kind of like lose track of the plot or freak out that there's someone that you could rely on that can calm you down yeah. a little bit. And if you can, if you are in in the in a, in a position where you can afford it, find yourself a guide. I did a lot of experimentation on myself and had beautiful and, as I said, very challenging experiences. But the most meaningful experiences that I've had were either in a group ceremony or in individual Wonderful, settings in yeah. which I was being guided. And nice. I, I noticed I allowed myself to let go at a much deeper level because I knew... Even if I really, you know, lose my shit or or get really scared, there's someone here that understands who I am and what I'm going through and that can offer me support and that will not try to take advantage of this situation, right? I trust yeah. this person to do the right thing. And I've had the most, the, the, the experiences that I referred to earlier were all under guidance. Okay. And so um, 
I don't think it's a necessity, but I do think it comes with such massive benefits. And this is why I'm doing this work. Nice. Because I know the impact of a good guide can be on, on someone's experience. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So last question. If you could choose one person to do psychedelic with, like a famous person, who would it be? <laughs> That's a really good question. I'm not sure if it's a really good question. I'm just, I've never <laughs> thought about this. <laughs> I, I'm thinking primarily like, who, I, who I, would I like to have a psychedelic experience with? Who needs with? a psychedelic or, experience? Yeah, who needs it? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm never sure. Um, uh, I, 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 honestly. I always think politicians are a good shot because they do need it, in my opinion. Some of them. Some of them. I've heard some people suggest, like, if you want to become a politician, you need to have a psychedelic yeah, experience first. I, I, I think that's a little far-fetched, <laughs> honestly, uh, to to ask that of people. Um, but would you do it with Mark Rutte? Um, <laughs> if he came to Synthesis... <laughs> Mark, and if you're said. listening, uh, if you come to Synthesis, uh, I, I would love to have a conversation okay. about this with you. But um, um, I, I'm, I'm not sure if he would be my uh, go-to... Uh, go-to person okay. uh, to 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 tr trip out with i think oh no i think in all honesty i would love to do a psychedelic with with someone with a great musician that can that can just jam oh, that's amazing. you know that yeah. can that that takes a psychedelic yeah. and just can jam away um uh i i thoroughly enjoy jamming or or especially dancing when nice. i'm when i'm on nice. a psychedelic so um, yeah, there you have it. Nice. Yeah. So thank you very much. This is the end of our interview and I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for coming. It was super interesting and it's I hope pleasure. our listener will give us some feedback. Uh, so yeah, and, and, and do let me know as well. You can, yes, uh, of course. Yeah, you can reach out to me and you can uh, check our website, synthesisretreat.com. Yes. So um, thank you. And uh, we'll see you soon with another interview, guys. Bye. <laughs>